To the untrained eye, real estate is the business of shelter, of comfort, of home. But industry insiders know that just behind the curtain resides a world teeming with innovation and disruption and sometimes brutal competition. And there, in the midst of it all, stand our industry leaders, the folks with the answers to our million-dollar questions in real estate. We've got one of those leaders here for you today. I'm Jessica Edgerton. And I'm Tarko Heidinga from leading real estate companies of the world. Let's pull back the curtain. Welcome to Million Dollar Question. This is a Soulfire production. Anthony Lamakia is the owner and CEO of the Lamakia Companies, a family of real estate businesses expanding rapidly across the Boston area and beyond. He's been immersed in all things real estate for decades, starting as a teen in his father's landscaping company to house flipping and construction at the turn of the century to now, the owner of a successful and fast-growing suite of companies, full-service brokerage, property management, development, not to mention an agent training company that reaches agents from coast to coast. Lamakia Realty is a member of leading real estate companies of the world and has been since 2016, but I've known Anthony for well over a decade now. In addition to leading his businesses, he's also relentlessly dedicated to industry leadership, including through the National Association of Realtors, my old stomping ground, where I served as counsel for years, years ago. Anthony is one of those guys that everybody wants to know and that everybody tries to pin down with a label. He's been named a futurist, forward thinker, a game changer, a newsmaker, and a young gun by our various industry news and award syndicates. He's been dubbed the industry MVP by Boston Agent Magazine, called out for his honesty, his integrity, and his fierce support for his employees, agents, and clients. He's well-known as a family man, proud always to pull out photos of his four, yes, four kids, and his iconically beautiful wife. Universally, Anthony is recognized as a leader. And while you can't pin Anthony down when it comes to one particular label, I'm proud to have one for him too. He's a great friend. He's also an unmatched resource for the current landscape of our market in real estate which is why I've got him on here today to talk to us about what is perceived as a pretty serious inventory situation currently in our market. Anthony, thank you so much for being here as our inaugural guest for Million Dollar Question. Well, Jess, thank you so much for having me and and to be the first guest is, it's an honor to be on here anyway, but to be the first guest is even more of an honor. And that was more than a generous introduction. I, I, I sincerely appreciate all the kind words. I hope I can live up to all that someday. Uh, but thank you very much. And it's been great to know you for over a decade as well. I remember I remember when, when I heard you were coming into Leading RE, I was thrilled. And you and I got in touch pretty quickly. Uh, so we did. That, that was we did. cool. But anyway, thanks very much for having me. Well, thanks for being here. It's an honor to have you here. And it's it really is a testament to how huge but how small our industry is. We, we just cannot, any of us, get rid of each yep. other. So let's start out of the gates with today's million-dollar question. A lot of folks in the market for a home right now feel like they are having a really tough time finding one. The question they're asking is, where are all of the houses in my price point? So what is your response to that question? Well, this has been an issue for about two years. You know, when when COVID hit, 
there was people that took their homes off the market, particularly those that were over 60 years old, because you remember all the talk about, you know, anyone that was any older at all had to be more careful. So they took their homes off the market, and those tend to be the folks with the larger homes. So those homes came off the market. Then when we got to about 60 days after the lockdown, people started relisting, but they were the last ones to start relisting. And listings as a whole, when I say listings, I mean new homes being listed on the market. It was just slower for that entire year. And then it became somewhat of a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, people weren't listing because they're thinking, well, where am I going to go? And the more that that happened, the more that it happened. So the lower inventory went, the lower that it went. Very recently in the last 30 days, I am starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel with this. It is starting to get a little bit better. Take Massachusetts, for example, that's our largest market and where I'm sitting right now. Um, the inventory of homes for sale at this moment is even with where it was a year ago. Now, we've spent four years of any time that I look at where we're at right now for the amount of homes for sale compared to one year ago, four years in a row, or really three and a half, it's been lower than a year ago. All of a sudden, this week, it's even. Single families, it's actually a little higher than a year ago. By the time we get to fall, I think we're going to be uh, at a higher inventory than 12 months before, I'm sorry, 24 months before when we compare to 2020. So it's getting better, and it's thanks to interest rates increasing. And, you know, interest rates increasing obviously brings other headaches, but it is helping the inventory problem. I do think it will get better, um, and it is it is going to improve. But that's pretty much why it happened, what's going on right now. And, you know, just to, just to finalize my thoughts on inventory and why it got low, part of the reason, frankly, a lot of realtors didn't know how to have conversations with sellers about how they can sell, they can buy a new home without ending up homeless. And many sellers were nervous and they said, forget it, I just won't list. That's why inventory went as low as it did, but it is looking better in the last 30 days and it'll look better in the next 30, 60, 90, 120 days. It's gonna, it's getting even better. That's great. And so that's ex really kind of a focus on existing inventory. What about new construction? What are you seeing there? Well. New construction has been a big problem, and it's really been a problem since about 12 years ago. I mean, well, even more than that, probably 15. One of the things that happened in the last boom that I know you remember, there was a tremendous amount of new construction, even up north, even up here where there's less land. You come to places like Boston, there's not as much land. There was a good amount of new construction, but in 04, 05, 06, even in 07, there was so much that many, many people in various municipalities across the country developed a very strong NIMBY attitude. Not in my backyard. Yes, I agree. I agree we need more homes, but not in my backyard. And it's become an epidemic across the country. And when 08 happened, there was a lot of builders that went bankrupt, went out of business and just said, forget it. With all these regulations and how difficult it is to build, I'm out. I'm, I'm not interested. And they got they bailed out either because they financially had to or because things just got more difficult. And when we got back into a booming housing market again, there just weren't as many homes built. I mean, if you look at the amount of new construction over a decade, in the three decades prior, 2000 to 2010, 90 to 2000, in the 80s, it's about, I want to say, 15 million homes a year uh, built throughout the United States. And all of a sudden, in the last decade, there was only 10 million. Well, that's a 5 million house deficit. That's a problem. And that's why we're at where we're at. And these NIMBY attitudes, they're not helping. And you know what bothers me, Jessica? The same people that say we need more housing 
are the people that have the strongest NIMBY attitudes. We need more affordable housing. And then they say, but not in my backyard. Oh, and by the way, let's make building more difficult. Let's make energy efficiency requirements more difficult. It drives me crazy. It makes me want, it makes my head explode. Well, your head's going to keep exploding through the rest of this because it is it is such a hot topic right now. Um, but let's talk first. So let's talk about what to do about it, right? How are you run a huge group of agents, including some of the newer agents who are out there on the ground dealing with buyers and sellers in this environment. You mentioned interest rates. I mean, yeah, we've got, it's cooling the market off a little bit, loosening up some of that inventory, but it's also a little bit of a a challenge when you've got, you've got especially first-time buyers looking at this. You know, we've got Federal Reserve hikes going up. We've got, you know, fixed mortgage rates have pushed up over uh, over 5% for a 30-year fixed at this point. Inflation is at a 40-year high. I think we've got a lot. Of, so it's it's a tough environment for some folks and who are saying, maybe I should just keep renting. You know, what 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 is the response and what are you teaching your agents to, to sort of help guide people in the right direction? I that? just talked about that in a two-hour training that I put on two hours ago. And one of the things that I discussed is I understand as a buyer, it's frustrating that interest rates are higher. But in life, you have to give to get, no matter what it is. In, in personal life or business life, you have to give to get. Rates going higher, in, in some ways, is doing buyers a favor. It's cooled the market, available inventory. I say available on purpose because it's not like we've had no homes to sell. There were more home sales last year in 2021 than in any year since 2005, right? So there's been homes to sell, but they've been getting eaten up quickly, right? So buyers, as much as they're frustrated about rates, they should also look at the positive side. They don't have to compete with nearly as many people. They're able to get home inspections now on, on home. We went through a period in the winter, Jessica, buyers couldn't get home inspections. If they put a home inspection contingency in their offer, they were not getting their offer accepted. That, that, that And people were waving everything, everything left and now right, buyers right? can have yeah. to put contingencies into contracts again. They can negotiate a little bit better than they could. And what some buyers will do is think there's blood in the water and think it's 08 again and they'll quickly realize it's not. But I was just down the hall two hours ago explaining to our agents how to explain this to buyers. And I said, guys, the market is shifting to a lower gear. It's just it's just going down to a lower gear. And I think it's going to go down to even a lower gear. And I come back to my office and I read an article in uh, Seattle uh, Agent Magazine. Lennox Scott said, the market's just down shifting a gear or two. And I started laughing. <laughs> He's on the other corner of the country saying the same thing that I am. Yeah. And that's what's going on, right? We're going back to, we, we've been in an extreme frenzy. And then we went down to frenzy. And now we're just going down to a hot market. We're going down to a market like it was in 2019. It just feels funny because we're adjusting down. And part of what's going on with buyers is there is sticker shock. They're finding out what their mortgage payments are going to be now that um, rates have gone up and prices are dramatically higher. And they're kind of like, whoa, and some buyers are bailing. Those that bail completely and rent for another year or two, they'll end up regretting it. They will end up regretting it. There's no doubt in my mind. So you mentioned 2008. It's something I'm hearing a lot, especially from folks who are outside of the industry saying, ah, we're entering another 2008, 2009. Talk about... Talk about why I'm seeing you. I'm seeing you shake your head for, for our podcasters here. Tell me why that's a Jessica. Joke. 25 months ago, uh, three weeks after we got hit with the COVID uh, shutdown, 
I wrote a blog and then I did a video on why this is not 2008. Maybe we can, maybe I can get it to you and you can put it in the resources section or something of this podcast. I bet we can. But when I did that video, I got 68,000 organic views of more than 75% on a 40 minute video of me talking about that. That just goes to show how hot of a topic that is. One of our top realtors, Jocelyn Mulcation, she always says, people still have post-traumatic stress of 08. This is nothing like 08. To give you an example, right now, just take one state, Massachusetts. Right now, there's 7,500 homes for sale in Massachusetts. In 2019, right now, there were 17,500. 2009, there were 47,000 homes for sale in Massachusetts, right now. The inventory is nowhere near. The inventory would have to go up, what, eight times to get to 47 or 48,000? Six times? It's it's not even close as far as inventory goes. Yeah. Now look at mortgages. Okay, look at, because remember in 08, we didn't just have a real estate crisis. We had an economic crisis, a real estate crisis, a credit crisis. The book of mortgages that has been written in the last decade is the strongest book of mortgages ever written in any single decade in history. The lowest debt to income ratios, highest average credit scores, highest um, down payment um, amounts. We're nowhere near a credit crisis. All the market's doing is downshifting. That's it. And you know, if you remember right, we saw a smaller version of this in the summer and fall of 2018. Rates went up in July of 18, and the market kind of went, whoa, and it slowed down a little, and that fall was eh. Here's another similarity this year to that year. That year was a midterm election year. It's not a coincidence that in election years, things get a little bit more bumpy. So I expect it to appear even, I wouldn't say we're gonna go to a buyer's market by fall, but it might even out in the fall for the first time in a few years, and that's okay. That's a good thing. All right, so you're giving some great counsel for our buyers. Let's turn it around. Talk about sellers here as they enter sort of this this downshift. What are you counseling your your seller or, or your agents counseling your your prospective sellers as in particular? You have to talk to you, remember sellers don't know what they don't know. All they know is my neighbor up the street just sold two weeks ago, and they got 17 offers, and the house sold 150 thousand over asking. They don't know. Wait, but when did that home get listed? Oh, it got listed in late January when there was next to nothing for sale and interest rates were still 3%. They don't think it through. When you educate, you attract, okay? If agents are educating their sellers, showing them what interest rates were in the winter, showing them what inventory levels were in the winter compared to now, sellers are going to be more apt to understand. You know, human beings, we don't believe what we hear. We believe what we see and we believe what we experience. If realtors are doing a good job showing people, pointing it out, getting them to understand the differences, they're going to get it. I mean, heck, us realtors, we it took us a little bit to know. I, I remember being at a conference back in March, and the first time that I actually said to myself, maybe we're in for a real change here. First time, and I'm someone that's a complete market nerd, as you know. I was talking to Mike Pappas. Agreed. I was talking to Mike Pappas of the Kai's companies. And Mike said, and, we, and me and him and a bunch of owners were, one night were talking. And, and I said, I think it's like last year. It's just another delay. So many people are scared to list their homes, low inventory. So it's just slow. And Mike goes, you know, 
I think so too, but I'm starting to wonder if this is the early signs of a change. I remember times over the years that it looked like it was just worse than the year before, but it was a change, and this time I'm starting to wonder. And I sat there across from him and I said, huh, maybe you're right. Interest rates are going up. Maybe we're in for some type of real transition here. Jess, if I didn't go to that conference, it would have probably taken me three more weeks to think about that. But that guy's a vet that's been in the business 50 years. That's the value of going to conferences. See, part of the mistake that people make in this business, and I know you didn't ask me this, but now I'm on a tangent, so I have to finish it. Part of the mistake... I knew what I was getting into when I invited you onto the I'm podcast. I'm sorry. Part of the mistake... That, <laughs> one of the mistakes that people make when things slow down and numbers tighten up, we're all experiencing it, all of us, right, is they pull back on every single expense. You do need to pull back on some. But you pull back on every single expense, you screw your business up. Going to conferences, networking with other broker owners, going to the leading RE annual conference, the relocation summit in the summer, the, the, the global symposium, going to things and mixing with other broker owners, other leaders, other realtors is how your mind thinks of things. When I got back from that conference, just because of that quick conversation with Mike, I started thinking, huh, if we are in for a real change, what would I do differently? And I started planning. Three, four weeks later, it became obvious we were in for a real change. And I was already three, four weeks ahead. And guess what? That three or four weeks made a difference. It made a difference. The event that Anthony is referring to is the Leading RE Annual Conferences held for the last few years at the Wynn Las Vegas. It's in the spring, and it's a coming together of our top leaders and top agents from around the world. Anthony, that's a perfect lead-in, mentioning that conference, to one of my next questions for you, which is about your leadership. You always come to conference with a contingency of your uh, top agents and your staff. And what I see when I see you guys together is a, a family, a community that is so tight. I had the opportunity to talk to a couple of your uh, younger associates a couple months ago who were so devoted to you and who you had brought into the fold in part because they'd seen your training and they understood exactly what kind of a leader you are. So one of the things that I do in this podcast as I talk to some of the top leaders in the real estate world is um, ask, and I'm going to end with this, uh, your solid gold piece of advice for leaders and aspiring leaders. But before you get to that, be, be thinking about that. Because what I want to ask is how you've used your leadership skills during first you know, we're at the tail end of a global pandemic, a lot of sheltering in place, and a really rocky, wild ride. Uh, some highs, some lows for our real estate professionals over the last uh, couple of years. During all of that, you have been growing like a controlled fire and, um, and keeping your folks really engaged. So what are you doing? What's your, what's your secret to, to really running that kind of a ship through this kind of turmoil. Thank you, Jessica. Um, there's a lot of things we do differently. Uh, I would say one of them is whatever we do, we do big. You know, we, we don't um, dip our toe in the water. When we decide to do something, we really get after it. Take a look at the leading RE organization. I mean, we got involved six years ago. Next month is six years. And when we got involved- Happy anniversary to both of us. What's that? Happy anniversary yes. to both of us. And when we got involved, you know, I didn't, I knew there was an opportunity to substantially grow our relocation business if we, if we 
engaged, if we got involved, if we went to conference, if we got to know everyone, and you see us at conference, I come out there with Shane, with Sarah, and then whoever else comes along with us. Between Shane, Sarah, and I, we know everybody there. One of us knows everybody there at least, right? That's because we've been involved. We've gone to the conferences. We've gone to the events. We spend the time, and we're generally interested in, uh, genuinely interested in getting to know everyone. And, you know, that's a big part of what we do to be successful as a company. We don't half-ass anything. I don't know if I'm supposed to swear on this or not, but, you know, I, I, think you know, it's I have okay. a hard time not swearing. But <laughs> We'll 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 mute it out if if it's unacceptable. But we go to everything. You just invited me to something recently, and I saw you at a marketing conference, and I and I said I went. I didn't know if I'd get anything out of it, but I went. We engage. We also identify other areas that realtors have needs. You know, uh, they need services, they need support, they need training. I always say, when you educate, you attract. When you educate, you attract. So we're always educating. I'm educating our sellers, our buyers. I did two videos yesterday. One talking to buyers. One talking to sellers. Today I went over the buyer one at training and we're pushing it out tonight. The seller one I'm going to go over next week. We're going to push that one out. I'm doing Crush It In Real Estate videos, as you know, on our Crush It In Real Estate page on Facebook all the time. The more I help other people get what they want, the more I get what I want. Didn't Zig Ziglar or somebody come up with that saying? I didn't come up with it. But it's true. You know, look what you're doing with this podcast. This is a great thing. Members are going to love it. If they're smart, they're going to eat it up. They're going to listen to it not once, not twice. They're going to listen to it over and over. I'm constantly listening to things. I'm constantly working to educate myself and putting myself out there, just like I teach and preach realtors to do. Imagine you're in an elevator with your newest agent, and they look at you and they say, you know, I am so new at this. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm scared. I think maybe I'm in the wrong industry. What would you tell them? Well, I would tell them that they have to get engaged. They have to come to training. They have to be a part. You know, the, real estate's a contact sport. You've got to be involved. You have to apply yourself. If you're not comfortable doing that or not willing to do that, get into another business. But if you're coming to training, if you're um, working leads that we're giving you as a company and working the system, you're going to grow. The other thing, and really maybe I should have even said this first, is building your database. You need to make relationships with people. You should be emailing your sphere of influence at least once a month. You should be mailing things to their home at least once a month and educating them because when you educate, you will attract. And when I started in the business, Jessica, I'll tell you a story. I started in 2004. And as you know, I was working with my dad's business. And that was not an easy transition, as you know. The dad wasn't happy about me leaving, right? So I spent a couple of years working with him and working in real estate full-time. And at night, one of the things that I would do is I would literally sit there and type on my keyboard names, addresses, email addresses of everybody I knew. I had hundreds and hundreds of people in my database before I even left my dad's business because I took the database so seriously. The reason I took it so seriously, okay, last part of the story. The reason I took it so serious. When I worked with my dad, I found something out that was very interesting. Every spring, we would send out 25, 30,000 postcards across a whole community, a very wealthy community outside of Boston. And maybe we'd get a couple hundred calls. And then we would send about 800 postcards to our past clients, to the people we knew, friends, family, acquaintances. We'd send 800, we'd get like 200 calls in five days. We'd send 25,000 to people we didn't know and get about 150, 200 calls. 
And I was observing this 19, 20, 21, 22, 23 years old. And I'm saying the bang for the buck on those you know is substantial. So when I got into real estate, I did the same thing. Look at our friend Lennox Scott in Seattle. He's always talking about your relationship database. When you're constantly working on building that, you grow. I did that with buyers and sellers first, realtors, broker owners, and industry professionals like you second. Lennox Scott is the CEO of John L. Scott, one of our beautiful members out on the West Coast. He will also, I hope, be a guest for one of our future episodes. So all our listeners out there will will get a chance to hear from him personally. Um, So you have, you've lived and breathed this industry for so long, but in so many capacities. And your leadership, I think, is is, uh, translatable across all industries. So for those folks out there that are leaders or aspiring leaders, what's your one nugget of truth that you've learned over your years of leading businesses? Well, there's a lot of things I could say, but be involved, be engaged, be on offense. I mean, you know, you only live once. I had somebody ask me recently, why? Why do you want to build the largest privately held brokerage in America? And I said, why not? Why not? I mean, you only live once. You, you get one shot at this. I, I want to make my mark. I want to serve as many buyers and sellers as possible. I want to serve as many realtors as possible and, and, and help people, you know, reach their goals. Our mission statement at our company is that we guide people to their success. And I, I love our mission statement. I'm so passionate about it because it applies across the board. It applies to our buyers, our sellers, our tenants, landlords, property management customers, realtors, our staff, we want to guide people to their success, whatever their version of success is. This industry truly is a relationship industry. And the the information that you gave before about how successful it was to dip back into your CRMs and look back and find those existing relationships is so telling of a problem that I think we have in our industry, which is so many folks aren't doing that. There's a recent statistic from the National Association of Realtors that uh, the vast majority of folks who have gone through a transaction with their real estate professional, selected their real estate agent, gone through that vetting process, worked with them, really loved that person and that process. And yet, also a statistic from the National Association of Realtors, the vast majority of those folks don't go back to that real estate agent when it's five or seven or 12 or 13 years later, and it's time for the next transaction. And in some cases, it's literally because they have forgotten that person's name. So what you're talking about right now, that that true ability to drill down on those relationships, I mean, what else is our industry really about? That guidance, that that soul with a person to find their dream, to find their future in a home. You're 100% right. And you know, I'll tell you one last story. So when I got in the business, I was sending postcards every single month to my sphere of influence. And my at my wedding 15 years ago, April 2007, my cousin stands up to give a best man speech. And I'm sitting there thinking, what the hell is he going to say, right? And, and he says, um, I got a question for everybody in the room. And mind you, at this time, I was only three years in the business. And I was 11 months in the business only. Because the first couple of years I was working with my dad and in real estate. So I was 11 months 
of only doing real estate. My cousin stands up, 200 people in the room. He says, I got a question for everybody. How many people here know that Anthony is a realtor? So everybody, ha, 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 I know. Everybody puts their hands up, right? He goes, okay. He reaches in his tuxedo jacket and he pulls out a postcard that I had recently sent out. And he says, how many people in this room are sick and tired of getting Anthony's postcards every goddamn day in the mail? And everybody's laughing, putting their hands up. Me, me, I'm sick of it, right? Never forget it. And I'm beat red. And you know I don't get embarrassed easy, but I'm embarrassed, right? So he says, Anthony, we get the point. You're in real estate. Here we are 15 years later. Every one of those people still gets at least one postcard a month. Beginning of sports seasons, they get a Patriots schedule. They get a, a Red Sox calendar. They get all those things. It works, but you've got to be in contact with people, and you have to do it continuously. You have to nurture your database. It's a contact sport. You've got to do it endlessly. Anthony, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time here. It's always a pleasure and it is always a learning experience to speak with you. I, I get something new from you and your your leadership wisdom every time we speak. So it's, it's really, I'm grateful for your time and your energy and your unrelenting dedication to the Leading Army Network and to your own companies. It's always great to see you. Thank you so much. Audience, thank you for being with us. It's always, always great to spend time with all y'all. Take care. We'll see you next Thank time. You. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you, Jessica. I appreciate you having me.